Well, good morning, church. You know, I appreciated Joel's comment about uh, Tony's lack of voice and the attitude of the staff. His own son said, uh, well, I finally get the last word in. (laughs) To which Tony's mother said, amen. (laughs) I am deeply humbled by the opportunity to bring this uh, message to you. I was, for one, as a father, looking forward to just setting back and listening to his own personal journey on prayer and how it has an opportunity to transform your life. When I first came to faith in Christ, I, I didn't want to just be an average Christian. You know, you see so many people today that uh, talk about their belief in God. And um, matter of fact, you can hear politicians, you hear movie stars, you can hear uh, all kinds of athletes, you hear them say, Let's keep people in our thoughts and prayers, or you're in our thoughts and prayers. And you would think by that acknowledgement that there are a tremendous amount of prayer in this country going up to God each and every day. But it's what's been my experience from the days of first coming to faith in Christ, and Tony even acknowledging how prayer is a journey, I would... I honestly feel that prayer for so many people has become uh, relegated to a very small space of time, if any, in a given day, and we live our lives as if God doesn't even exist, other than for those quick moments when we pray, or even acknowledge that God is in our life. Twelve years after I came to faith in Christ, I received a copy of a book that literally is the classic on prayer. I encourage you to uh, get a copy of that book. It's an old book, but it's a book that's very relevant to this issue of prayer, uh, written by Dick Eastman called No Easy Road. And here's a quote from that passage, or from that book. Abundant distractions and seemingly overwhelming obstacles plague the Christians who would make progress on the road of prayer. At the end of the road lies the prize, the unleashing of God's power to all who have made the arduous journey. Tragically, few ever reach God's place of power. Few will pay the price of work and dedication. It has been said that the lazy man does not, will not, cannot pray for prayer prayer demands energy. It's that last sentence that stuck in my mind as a young Christian. That a lazy man will not, cannot pray. And I was bound determined that I would not be that lazy Christian. I didn't want to be one who just occasionally lifted some words up to God. But I wanted it to flow from an intimate relationship with him. Because he had done so much to transform my life. So many times finding myself in in desperation and, and struggle in that, those early years of, uh, of my Christian life. And God used that. And what became very much aware is that first sentence then that says, abundant distractions and seemingly overwhelming obstacles plague Christians who would make progress on the road of prayer. There is not a day go by that you and I don't struggle with some form of, uh, of those distractions or obstacles. 
That's why prayer gets pushed to a very small portion of life. That's why prayer is often only brought up during those times of crisis. But what would it look like if all of a sudden you are ready to pay the price and be on that hard journey, that road uh, that is a struggle, to be able to grab a hold of the prize that unleashes the power of God? Do you realize in this room that if we seriously took prayer to heart, and it became more than just a few words that we offered up to God, but we seriously came into the, uh, put our face to the grind and, and came to God through prayer, that he would awaken a sleeping giant. Because I wonder how many of us come into a service each and every Sunday and you are expecting God to do something powerful during that service. I think that's the attitude we also often have when it comes to prayer, is that we don't expect anything necessarily when we go to him in prayer. So this morning, we're going to take a, a start this journey, a, a season of prayer. I'm glad I don't have to have everything all at once, that this is going to be a season that we're going to go through. It literally will transform your life if you will welcome it if you will receive it, if you will challenge yourself to be obedient, to follow through with the things that are given. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward and give you a Bible if you don't have one. Because there's a passage that we're going to look at this morning that, that a little bit later, I'm going to have you underline it because there are some truths there that if you take it seriously, it will transform your life. It will change who you are. When I started to put this message together, I realized that there were going to be a lot of people who probably would struggle uh, when the word prayer was mentioned because just the word praying brings a feeling of guilt because we all realize, I wish I could pray more. I know I don't pray more. I just wish I could. Or maybe we are, since we are frustrated because we just struggle to have that time. Or maybe we're discouraged because we've often lift prayers up to God, but it just seems like God is not hearing us. You know, I think some people don't pray because they feel they, it's more about they believe in God. And, but as Greg Rochelle talks about in his book, Christian Atheist, we live as if there is no God. You know, we, we, it's, so it's the struggle, the battle is between those two of believing and knowing. And knowing is about personal. It's about a relationship. Maybe some of us, we struggle with praying because it's not easy. It's just too hard to do that. Maybe we feel like this occasional practice that I put in, that it's a one-way street, that God's not really hearing me. Maybe I'm often, when I pray, I'm just left feeling so hollow, so why should I continue to do it? And let's be honest, sometimes we have more questions than we have answers when it comes to talking about this subject. But I want to give you a couple of bookends that kind of will, it kind of speaks into this believing and, and knowing and 
how people approach, approach praying. My wife knew a, a woman in her 50s. She'd known her all her life. And she was, had reached a point of crisis because of health. And doing what she normally would do in, uh, throughout her life was praying. She started praying. You know, asking God for some help with her health crisis. But all of a sudden, in the midst of her praying, she stopped and she said, what am I doing? I'm just talking to myself. And I just don't like the way I feel when I pray. And so she stopped praying. And she hasn't prayed. She believes in God, but she doesn't pray. Is that not a Christian atheist who talks about believing but doesn't practice God's existence? Here's the other book in. I'm on a plane. I'm, I'm preparing to board a plane in Pittsburgh. I'm bound for Kansas City. And so as I'm in the in, in the, uh, the right outside the gate and, and I'm about ready to board, I just said, Lord, I'm willing to engage with someone that you are speaking to. And so, Lord, I hope the person that you place next to me is somebody that I can talk to. I'm open. I'm ready. Not willing to jump it quickly into something else, but to engage with him. As I got on a plane and I got seated and I was waiting for somebody to board, the, uh, waiting for whoever was going to arrive, it seemed like that they were going to close the door. And so nobody was going to be there in that seat. And all of a sudden, a gentleman starts coming down the aisle. And he ends up sitting next to me. Before we even start to back away from the gate, he reaches his hand over and he said, Hi, my name is Mike. I said, my name is Rand. Boy, I, he made it simple. Hi, my name's Mike. My name's Randy. As we started to uh, approach the runway, Mike asked this question. I love it when people ask me this question. What do you do? <laughs> and um, I told Mike, I'm, I'm a pastor. His eyes had this look of weird or fear. <laughs> and as we got up in the air, he said, I'm just coming from my mother's funeral. And as I saw her lying in the casket, and I saw that body that was my mother, I began to think to myself, is that all there is to life? We live this life, and then we die, and then there's nothing afterwards. And I just was pondering that question. I took that question to the airport. I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking about that. Is there, more, is there something to life after death? And I'm just thinking, you know, it would be great if, the, if I could speak to somebody about that. When he told me that, First of all, I knew God had answered prayer. Amen? But what he said next is what really stirred me. He said, I have never believed in God's existence. 
He said, I've lived my whole life as if there is no God. And he goes, yet I come to this moment in time and where I'm seeing my mother lying in a casket and wondering, is there life after death? And, and so I'm sitting in this airport and, and I'm thinking about, it would be nice if somebody could help me to work through this. And he puts a pastor on a plane next to me. Mike and I had a great conversation. He never came to faith in Christ. Because that was a big push for an atheist. But I tell you what he did see. God was pursuing him. God's pursuing an atheist. God desires to have a relationship with each and every one of us. It's very personal and practical. There's nobody outside of that desire to seek you. But yet here's somebody who believes and yet stop praying and living their life as if there is no God. And here's one who is an atheist and all of a sudden realizes in his thought that he never intended it to be a prayer. God responded. That's the great God we, we serve. But yet something happens where we don't pray. We just don't seem to engage in this exercise. We start having questions, and here's some questions that I'm going to give you that during this series, Tony will guide us through answers to those. And so you may be sitting here today and having one of these questions, just hold on and wait. Somewhere in the series, that question, hopefully you'll find your answer. Why pray? Why does it feel weird praying when I can't see who I'm speaking to? Does God only understand me when I use King James language? <laughs> Is there a certain position that I should be in when I'm praying? Will God hear me when I haven't been living for Him? Why does it seem like God is not listening when I pray? Where are my prayers not being why are my prayers not being answered? Does God ever change his mind? If I doubt when I pray, will God answer? How do I move forward when I'm disappointed in God's answer? So over the next several weeks, hopefully you'll find one of those, an answer to if that's your question. But I will also say this to you. I, I know Tony would welcome it. Any staff person would welcome it. You may not have a, a question that is being addressed, but you have a question about prayer. Please come and see us. We don't want you wandering around in some desert out there waiting to encounter a living and powerful God, and prayer may seem odd to you or weird. I just want you to know God is hip. I know that's outdated. But somewhere in that, I know that God takes any words we pray and he responds. You may be speaking in English and he speaks and he can speak English, he can speak Spanish, he can speak any language. He's ready to engage. So I want us to turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. That's page 820 in the book, in the Bible that you just received. While you're turning there, 
And some of my preparation for this week, I happened to read a Google piece that said in 2014, Amazon released information about the most highlighted passages from their best-selling Kindle books. The verse in the Bible that was the most frequently highlighted is found in our text today. Isn't that interesting? Why out of this passage would it be the most highlighted? Because how many, how many days, how much time do you and I worry about stuff, fill with anxiety, And we want to have peace. But it just seems like peace is, is flying away. And anxiety and worry fills our lives more. So let's look at this passage together. Beginning with verse 4. And maybe I ought to say this, just a little backdrop. is the fact, Paul's in prison. And he's writing this letter to people who have, uh, are being persecuted and they're suffering. And not only do they have facing this outward uh, struggle, but there's even an inward struggle within the church. And sometimes we want to raise, kind of roll up our sleeves and, and really go for the juggler vein with some people. Paul's addressing an attitude that we need to have in this letter. And we come to this passage And he begins to speak these words, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. It's really interesting in this text that first he's starting with this rejoice in the Lord. Why is that so important? Is that an afterthought, or or what is the value of that? Because what happens if we are constantly under stress, if we're constantly worrying and fearful, and maybe we are facing persecution, and maybe we're uh, suffering a lot? Joy is not going to be a part of your life, because your mind is going to be fixed on whatever you see around you. So Paul starts to draw our attention, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, again, I say rejoice. But then here's one of the foundational theological truths that I find in this text that kind of shapes the foundation of prayer as we begin to look at it is that the Lord is near because he continues on and he says, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. In other words, God is that one who is 
behind you or beside you, have you ever had that experience when all of a sudden you recognize or you realize somebody's either behind you or beside you? And you get startled because you didn't hear them coming. Every second of every day, God is present around us. There's no place you can go to escape him. He's like that seeking parent who knows where you are all the time because he has a GPS tracking device. (laughs) He has an earbud and one end is in his ear and the next end... uh, piece of that earbud is in your ear. He knows what you're thinking. God is in connection with us. The Lord is near. It's important that we realize that we don't have to invite God to come near. He's already there. But then there's another truth, a theological truth that builds this foundation on prayer, and it is God is sovereign and merciful. Notice in verses 5 through (laughs) 7. Do not be anxious. Well, let me back. Let your gentleness be evident to all, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a powerful truth here. A God who is sovereign, who knows everything, who knows what you're going to say before you say it, who knows what you're thinking before the thought appears in your mind, before one step is taken each and every day, he already knows it. And yet he asks us to bring everything to him in prayer. And I know that we have a congregation of very bright, spiritually growing people, and you do that every day. Right? That you believe enough in God that you know He's real, and you're going to bring everything about your life to Him. We struggle, don't we? It seems like that that isn't a process or a cycle of our life that is very typical of our our growth as a Christian. Yet God is sovereign. He's merciful. And that's okay. God's not waiting there to paddle you when you start to come to him because of the fact that you've been absent from him. Then we come to verse 8. It's the focus of our attention. And why is that so important? It's simply because what we focus our attention on is going to determine whether peace or anxiety and fear and worry will dominate our minds. And that's why he says, finally, brothers, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So he's saying instead of fixing your anxious thoughts and worries and fears on whatever it is out there that exists, 
Put it on him. And it's interesting that the greatest joy killer that robs joy from a believer's life is worry. So you see what what Paul's trying to do? He's shaping for us why prayer is so important. Because he's near, wanting to engage with you in conversation. He's sovereign. He's merciful. He sees what's going on. He's not oblivious to what's happening in your life. And he's concerned that you put your thoughts on the right things, not on the wrong things. And then in verse 9, it says, the result, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Do you see the result? If I will just focus my thoughts and my attention on him who's desiring to have this relationship with me, peace is going to come. So why pray? Why pray? Prayer is responding to God who is initiating a relationship with us. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, that's page 124 in the Bibles that you received. I would love to read this whole passage, but just due to time, let me just read probably the the key phrase that Moses is addressing here. And it's in verse 7. When he says, What other nations is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? Do you see that verse and what it says to us? God is near when we what? Pray. You feel like God's not near? You feel like God has left you? Could it be that it more pivots on your lack of wanting to go to him in prayer than it is him pursuing you? Because the point is that prayer is responding to God who's initiating a relationship with us. But also, prayer demonstrates our dependence on God for everything. And in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 10, page uh, 618 in the Bibles you've received. Daniel, the story of Daniel is one story when I first learned it as a brand new Christian that I just was just captured by the spirit of this leader, Daniel. And just as a summarization of Daniel, he's living such a God-focused life that when they go to try to bring accusations against him, that hopefully begin to pull this man, this great leader of God, down. They have to make something up. And what do they attack? His dependence on God. And I want you to look at verse 10. That was a quick summary of what has just happened. And verse 10 says, Now when Daniel learned the decree that had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. And three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. 
So when he's faced with, if you pray, you die, what Daniel does next demonstrates his complete dependence on God for everything in his life. He gets, not just once, but three times a day, he would get on his knees and he would lift up prayers to God, dependent upon him to guide him through. When Daniel is thrown into the lion's den because of what he's done, guess what guarded him? The peace of God. Because of his obedience to follow through with his discipline of prayer, when threatened, when his life is threatened, what does he do? He goes right back to it because that is his source. Finally, why pray? Because prayer demonstrates God's existence. I would like to think that if we are a follower of Christ, our life is demonstrated daily of God's existence. I know what it's been for me, a struggle, because it's no easy road. It takes discipline. But I learned in that statement, a lazy man will not, cannot pray because prayer demands energy, is that a lot of us are really lazy, aren't we? Because we let distractions pull us away from the most important exercise between us, the created, and the creator. God wants a relationship with us that is intimate, is growing and thriving. What are some key points that I want you to walk away with? God is pursuing me. Prayer is not about me pursuing God, but responding to his pursuit of me. God is there. He wants you to acknowledge his presence throughout your day. He wants you to bring everything to him. God wants me to bring everything about my life to him. It becomes a practice of God's existence in my life. And finally, knowing and experiencing God starts and continues in prayer. It's not that get up in the morning and spending a little time in the Word and a little time in prayer and then off you go to work and, and then maybe you have a meal time and during the meal you happen to offer up a prayer and or, or maybe before you go to bed at night, you offer up a little prayer. But that it becomes this practice throughout your day acknowledging God's existence and his desire to be involved with us. So this week, what I want to challenge you to do, I want you to take five minutes every day. I'm not trying to make it difficult, just five minutes that I want you to pray somewhere during your day that you normally would not pray. Just a simple exercise. 
take five minutes every day somewhere where you would never pray before or at a time you would never pray before and spend communicating with God. But watch out. It's dangerous. And a mighty God is waiting to commune with you. I want us to stand, and we're going to pray this prayer. I'm so thankful that this is a series that builds on itself answering questions. Why not for us corporately together pray this prayer today? So I want you to pray along with me. Dear Heavenly Father, creator of the heavens and the earth, the skies and the seas, and everything in them, I rejoice in you, Lord, for you are worthy of all glory, honor, dominion, and strength. You have every right to call the shots in my life and in the world. I want to become a Christ follower who brings everything in my life to you. Forgive me, Father, for saying I believe in you, but living my life as if you don't exist. I thank you for the peace that comes with accepting that the Most High God rules my life. Help me to trust you completely with every part of my life. Help me to focus my attention on things that are true rather than thoughts that are not true. I have so many questions about prayer, and I ask that you will speak to me during this series to find answers. Help me to build my life more on your love. So today, I acknowledge that I want you more than anything in my life. Awaken me, Lord, to fresh wind and fresh power in my life. For it is in the name of my Savior, Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen. Father, we so desperately need you. But I would pray, Father, you would also forgive us for that tendency, that lure to live our lives as if you don't believe, that, we, that you don't exist. Take our aching hearts, our questions, our struggles, our frustrations, our guilt, and let us know that you still are re- stretching out your arms with great love desiring to have an intimate relationship with each and every one of us that is very real and very personal. Thank you, Lord, for bringing this series to mind in our pastor. May it be a turning point in the life of LAFC. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Every one of us need to improve the spiritual rhythm of life. There's not a one of us that can honestly say, you know, boy, I've just got this dynamic prayer life. Because it's a, it's a hard road. It takes a lot of work and a lot of discipline. You may specific, specifically today be struggling with something that 
you want to take it to God in prayer, but you're just frustrated that it seems like God's never answered before. Why should I take it to him now? We've got people here underneath the cross who be more than happy to pray with you. But this week, take five minutes each day praying at a time that you normally don't pray and beginning to develop a spiritual rhythm in your life where prayer plays a very active role in your growth as a follower of Christ. You will be changed. You will be transformed. Grace and peace go with you. Have a blessed day. You're dismissed.